Hi there, my name's Adam Parr. I'm the podcast host, the Parr City Podcast. In this podcast, you'll be listening to me connect with people from different walks of life, from the military to people in the music industry to people in the self-help industry and many other areas of life. In this podcast, I'll be talking about topics from self-help, mental health, motivation, spirituality, mindset, society, current affairs, and much, much more. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, share, and let me know your feedback. My main intention on this podcast is to have a positive impact. For you, the the listener, to take something positive from it, to apply something positive into your life from this. Now, with without further ado, let's get into this podcast and enjoy. Hi, and welcome to the Positive Podcast. In today's episode, I'm joined by Layla Olives. She's a marine conservationist, a PADI dive master has worked on coral conservation and microplastic pollution. She was part of the World Peace 2035 team. Layla strongly believes that women, education and sustainability are key players in achieving peace. After her studies, Layla set up White Green Blue Sustainable You with her father and her brother. It stands for the healing of nature the compensation of ecological impact and the well-being of local communities. Through the restoration and conservation of mangrove forests. In this podcast we talk about sustainability, the environment, nature and much more. Now sit back, relax and enjoy this episode. Hi, Leila. How are you doing today? You all right? Pretty good. Thank you for asking. How are you? Oh, oh, good, good. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Thank you. I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast. It really, really means a lot. Well, it is absolutely my pleasure. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And like, I see that, you know, you, you're into like sustainability and, um, you know, looking after, you know, the environment and helping people to do that. Yes. Um, it, it's something that I started relatively recently, um, just because of my educational career, <laughs> kind of just time-wise. Uh, it managed to get started about a year ago, um, where we set up our own little company in mangrove conservation and restoration. So that's, yeah, it's, it's quite a new chapter in the field, and not a lot of people actually know what mangroves are, so we figured this might actually be a good thing to do, because I live in Canada most of the time and most of my family is in Belgium. So there's a lot of flying back and forth and carbon emissions. And, and we were thinking of a way, well, how can we compensate for the impact that we're having? What is it 
that we could do to you know be less harmful towards the environment and we came up with planting trees mangroves specifically so they're a special kind of tree that can grow in salt water oh wow uh yeah so they're the little barrier between the land and the ocean but they also connect the land and the ocean and because of this unique ability of theirs they're able to store a lot more carbon than other forest types on the planet wow so that's that's based on because of the salt water is it yes so they they bury the carbon so mangroves are known for their very elaborate root system so i'm sure that anyone who's ever watched like a bbc documentary on nature they will see trees with really like prop roots sticking out mm. and going back into the soil so these systems really capture the carbon in the sediment and because the water comes in it just gets washed away by the ocean sticks in the sand and doesn't come back up as easily as you would in a terrestrial environment wow no, I, I find nature fascinating and like i never knew that and i find like like we we've got I won't go top it too much, but like, we you know I've got a garden with plants and trees and I find it like, you know, amazing how, you know, nature works and the root system and, you know, how things grow. It, I find it fascinating. And I think, like you said, by, you know, planting trees to, you know, help the environment and the oxygen and decrease certain levels of, you know, like carbon emissions and things like that, then it all kind of works in it to, you know, an advantage. Yes. Yes. Um, especially also because there's a lot more to just the carbon. Um, it, recent studies, like 10 to 15 years ago, scientists have started specifically at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, but I'm sure other organizations also work in this field, is that they've realized that trees can actually communicate with each other using chemical signals. So the root system of a forest is all connected with each other, and they found that mother trees are more likely to help their, their baby trees um, by reallocating some nutrients that way or, or have that chemical connection going. So we don't fully understand what's happening. We just realize that this is actually a thing that trees can communicate with each other um, chemically. And wow. it, it, it brings up a lot more, more questions of, okay, well, what is this consciousness? Is this something they're aware of? Is this a passive thing? How does it actually work? So it's a lot more than just carbon sequestration from, from the environment. It is part of the photosynthesis, but that's not the main purpose of, of trees, of course. They are ecosystem builders. They're the basis of ecosystems on land and in the ocean. Um, there's no trees in the ocean, but we have macroalgae like kelp forests, for example, who have very similar roles in creating and then shaping the base of ecosystems there. Wow. No, it's, it's amazing. Like, and what you said like how like trees are connected and they communicate like through like chemicals and um like, like i said in, the, in my garden oh we've got plants and things um and talk you know talk, talking to trees actually like, like through through these phones you know like these phones yeah and um like we've got like these alien you know aliens there were these like plants that kind of shoot up and really like one was growing here then the other one was growing here and as I was shooting up, it was kind of like bending towards one another. And I, I was just like, it's amazing. You know, it's like it was kind of like, you know, like meeting in the middle. But, so but, um, for ferns, it's probably because they're shade loving plants. They often grow in, and hmm. in the shrub layer of forests um, on the forest floor. And they don't get a lot of sunlight. So they might be giving each other shade by growing towards each other, each other yeah. when, when the sun turns around and stuff. Yeah. yeah. 
No, it's, plants in nature are fascinating, like I said. And I think, like you said, by, you know, sustainability is, is, is quite a big thing now. I think especially, you know, when, when COVID happened, we talked about this yesterday briefly, um, you know, the impact it had on the oceans. The oceans were like, you know, where canals were clearer in Venice. Um, you mentioned some other places as well. I mean, there are a few examples, and I think it's it's something that you know is is getting more into the, you know more widespread in the media. Yeah, um, specifically about the whales and the boat traffic, because we were all forced to stay inside. We weren't out on the water, creating a lot of noise. I don't know if you've ever been scuba diving or free diving, but when you're underwater, you can actually really hear how noisy that environment is. Often people think, oh, it's quiet, there's no sound there, but that's absolutely not true. Over a reef, you can hear fish uh, crackling away and bubbling and they communicate using um, their swim bladders to make sounds, for example. And some of them even have like a morning chorus, so they sing like the birds, <laughs> but over a reef. And when boat traffic is eliminated, a lot of these sounds have the opportunity to be heard by animals. And whales in particular, a lot of cetaceans use similar frequencies to boat noise. So it's completely canceled out and they tend to avoid being around people just because we're so noisy and they, and they can't talk to each other. It's the same as we would be like, for example, go to a very busy city street. You'd have to be yelling at each other to be able to hear what the other person is saying. So that's similar to them. And if it's quiet, then why not explore the more shallow waters and see what's there for them to pick up on like maybe some something to play with for the dolphins or some more mm. food but generally they they live close to shore so it's not unsurprising that they would you know mosey into quiet harbors when they can yeah yeah nice it's amazing and like i think like we where i live like they've had like you know like dolphins sometimes like you said come into like the harbor or seals and it's um do you think that's like what you said because they're kind of like going into other avenues to try and communicate with other like animals? Yeah, so um, if we, well, we weren't on the boats anymore. So the, the engine noises that the boats make wasn't present. So it's a lot more mm. quiet for them. And it's mm. the same thing as people. We would avoid the busy streets when we can. We would rather go to the city park. But you know, if no one's actually making any noise on the busy streets, then we would also venture into those areas. And that's what happened um, yeah. with, with sea life is a lot of the time, they're just too busy for them to be able to communicate. They're really noisy. It's very stressful. They might get mm. hit by some boats. Um, people might be really intrigued by seeing them and chase them a little bit or want to pet them. And mm. So it's quite stressful environment for them. But if everything falls away, then they're quite curious creatures. It's their natural habitat to be relatively close to shore. So that's, it just makes sense for them to return and, and take back what we took away from them. Um, yeah. By being yeah. yeah, no, exactly. And like, I, I, I mean, I think, you know, we need to be careful, don't we? Like how we, you know, because a lot of people sometimes will litter, they will throw things in the sea, plastic. I mean, plastic's a big one. Um, I remember watching like a documentary on BBC and they were like, you know, fish tangled in bits of plastic and things like that. And they, you know, they said they did like tests on the ocean floor and they found like plastic even on the ocean floor. Um, 
like you know what what are some of the ways that you know that can all kind of be like regulated and stopped do you think like you know like cleanups and things like that um well cleanups will absolutely be necessary just because we have so much plastic in the ocean um at this rate we're currently dumping about 8 million metric tons of plastic into the ocean every year so that's about 22,000 tons every single day um so that's that's a lot and that's what we've measured so obviously there's a lot more that is illegal that we're not measuring that we just can't see um and what people don't know is that even though these big pieces of plastic are in there we could take them out of the environment but when they break down they just turn into smaller pieces of plastic so it plastic doesn't disappear it just becomes smaller mm. and these are ingested by animals so sea creatures so if you eat fish for example um, drink beer even just breathe the air um, we take in thousands upon hundreds of thousands of pieces of plastic every year ourselves so i think that should be the goal like here just really focusing on those numbers and thinking okay oh wow is this something i even want to live in because we are feeling those impacts um, mm. so we're just polluting the food chain and we're at the top of the food chain so we're getting all of the impacts from that and having that mindset like oh wow this is what we are doing so maybe i should avoid plastic packaging so when you go to the grocery store i know in the uk it's kind of tricky because i i was shocked about how much plastic they actually use mm. but here in in belgium in canada i know that if you bring your own little reusable um, bags that are made out of cotton they could be recycled plastic they can be a lot of things you can just put the fruit in the bags and you pay by weight yeah. and you can just keep on reusing those bags instead of having the plastic packaging so that's one um, another one could be to start making a lot of things yourself so fresh meals stop going and getting out takeout chinese and bringing all of that styrofoam back and just throwing it out or if you go to the bakery and you put everything in a little plastic bag it's it's just really overwhelming after a while or the need that some people have that they need to wear a different outfit every single time they go out because they've posted that outfit on social media already so they can't re-wear that it's huge because about every 10 minutes um this statistic is from australia every 10 minutes there's i think six tons of clothes that are thrown out Jeez. and a lot of this can be reused these clothes are mm. still you can you can wear them they've been used once or never and having that change of mindset that we do not need more 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 we just need better quality for a longer period of time and mm. buying that new shirt is not going to make your life a happier life it's just going to give you a little buzz for five minutes because you get excited about wearing this new shirt but mm. other than that it's not really going to change the quality of your life and this is really just a big mindset problem that we have not so much we don't have the ability to do something about it you have to be willing to do something about it yeah no massively i agree um the impact is huge isn't it and i think we don't think about it we're just so busy people that's an excuse isn't it? so busy um people get caught up in not really paying attention to it they're just doing and they're not thinking of thinking outside the box and thinking about the impact of that and these things you know i used to be one of those people you know a few years ago i'd buy a shirt i'd go out with my friends i'd wear it once or twice and that was it i'll probably not wear it again um 
and it is bad because you know you accumulate all these clothes those clothes can be broken down they can be recycled like you said um you know used for different things you know curtain cloth you know making something with it break instead of just building up and being dumped um yeah no it's it it, it does definitely open your eyes um and i think like so much like you like said especially with shopping you know like i went to tesco yesterday at the supermarket and you know everything is all in plastic like you said like you know basil uh choy it's all in these plastic bags and like you said how easy it is how to have like cotton or material that could be broken down um you know if i go to the local shop there's no there's nothing really in, there are a few items in plastic bags but the, all the produce and the vegetables were local and they just kind of throw them in a um a wooden container and you just grab it put it in a paper bag thing that they have that can be broken down you know and it's just like you said recycling it and just reusing things instead of buying like takeout that has you know lots of styrofoam um i mean we you mentioned yesterday you know you worked in hospitality in it, like yes. me and you see how many things that get ordered in and how much plastic how much cardboard and how much stuff just powers up and there's no need for it it's like if you order things on amazon sometimes you get a big massive plastic container and you're like, yeah yeah i i recently bought a camera um i i dabble in some amateur photography and I had this, the, ca the camera is quite small. It's a Canon 90, um, 90D from the EOS series. So it's, it's not a huge camera, but the box was, I don't know, about half a meter in length. It was just filled with, with plastic. And it says the plastic could be recycled, but at the same time, I'm like, well, was this really necessary? Like you dropped this box off at my house. You could have just given me the camera instead of this gigantic box with a tiny little box of the camera and then everything else be plastic. So it's, it's also the expectation people have that when in the hospitality industry, for example, whenever we would reorder linens or, or towels, they would be packed individually in pieces of plastic, but oh, we right. still would have to wash everything anyway before we can put them on the beds and have people use them. So I don't see why is this necessary? Why don't just pop them into big boxes and pick the boxes up again after a little while and keep on reusing the same boxes and just you know have a closed loop cycle for mm. all of these linens and mm. it's just but people don't think about it because we're not educated about it we have, mm. we're relatively young people and <laughs> so we're the new generation like borderline gen z millennials and even we haven't experience any kind of education in school. I did because I specifically chose to go study um, conservation and biology and life sciences. But throughout high school, all of the mandatory experiences that you go through, none of them are tailored towards sustainability. None of them are tailored towards showing you what your impact is on nature or um, how you can decrease that or even just building up the understanding of what a linear economy is rather mm. than looking at maybe we can go for circular economies, um, you know, empowering entrepreneurship for young people to really change those things. So there's a lot of frustration there because when you hit the real world, 
Um, you start talking to people, you start seeing things, and it just feels like there's no way out. It doesn't feel like you can make a difference, whereas that is absolutely not the case. It's just we're not taught how. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. And I think, like, you know, with the, with the camera in the box, like, I've had that many times. My mom's ordered stuff. And um, it's, like, it's not, like a really small item, a bit like this mug. And it was in a box with not just the cardboard shavings and bits of plastic, but like um, airbags, you know, the, the bags of air. Yeah. And I was like, it's like a small item. Like, they're just doing it, just like, take, take the piss. Um, and, and yeah, we, we need to be more conscious about it. And I think like you said, which is key, is, um, you know, the education. Like, you know, people need to be educated on it. It needs to be in the curriculum somewhere, surely. Um, you know, moving forward, because people talk about global warming, you know, the impact on the environment. And these are all key, important things that, you know, should be somewhere uh, in the curriculum, you know, or, you know, or briefed on it. Um, and they just, that, it's that little bit, isn't it? It's that little percentage. It's that little, um, that little bit of effort can make a big difference, you know, if we all just do our little, our part, that bit. Um, there's a lot of simple things like, other than, you know, reusable mugs and then reusable shopping bags and avoid buying foods that are wrapped in plastic and single use anything really not, it's not just single use plastics, it's single use anything that's quite a big issue. But there's apps, for example, if you want to go look at what fish is sustainably caught because about 90% of the ocean is either completely over-harvested, over-exploited, or harvested to full capacity. So there's only 10% left that is actually in quote-unquote pristine conditions. Mm. Uh, the ocean is 70% of our planet, so if it collapses, we're <laughs> it's a yeah. big problem. And there's an app. You can download an app on your phone if you go look at MSC, if you go look at Monterey Bay Aquarium, depending on what country you live in you can look at the fish species that are sustainably harvested that year. And to make it even easier in the UK, there's an MSC label on all of the fish that is sustainably harvested. So you can look oh, at wow. the fish packet and if it has that little label on there, it's a blue fish that mm. says MSC certified. It's sustainably caught, which is based on a system of looking how big the fish population is. And they only take as much as the fish population can regenerate for the next year to come right. by spawning. So there are little labels on there that you can see as a consumer, but nobody teaches you what those things mean and that you should you know, look at buying those fish rather than, than other fish. So some brands, big brands, um, what's the, the, the pirate with the gray hair with, for the fish sticks? Oh, um, bird's eye or something. Yeah, so some of those brands and some of the fish that are caught are actually MSC certified compared to other brands. And they're not necessarily more expensive. Mm. So just looking for that blue fish and that can make a big impact because everyone would be doing that. We wouldn't be as over harvesting the oceans as we are now. Mm. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And I'm, go I'm going to be looking now when I next go to the supermarket, I'll be like looking at fish. I'll be like only looking for like the ones with a little blue fish on them. <laughs> No, I see. It's so interesting. Like, sorry. No, 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 sorry. I, I interrupted you. I know. So I was going to say, like, um, like I said, it's just being educated and briefed on things. Like, you know, like people 
like, that's quite an important thing what you what you mentioned and it's like you know if you're not educated on it you don't know you're just buying it and getting it yeah it's it's a big big mindset shift that needs to start and i think the younger generation is doing quite a good job at it if you look at youth for climate and all of the movements that are starting um mm. defunding that is happening in the fossil fuel industry UK recently got ticked on its fingers because they were, um, you know, going for carbon neutrality by certain timeframes, but they weren't including all of their overseas projects. So they were creating yeah. these massive footprints in, in Africa and Asia and all of these developing countries. And they recently said, okay, well, we have to take these into consideration. So they're slowly defunding those and refunding and, and putting the money in um, mm. green energy investments and more sustainable goals yeah. than what they were doing previously but it's it's crazy to me to think that governments have to be you know drawn to court or, or have a massive group of people come to the streets to say hey well you should be doing the right thing here and looking at all of your impacts rather than just what you think is directly your responsibility because it's happening in this country but mm. yeah yeah no, I, I agree. I think like it, it is pretty crazy how, you know, certain movements have to happen for, you know, certain kind of parts of the government to, you know, think about it and hold meetings and, you know, the amount of work that has to go into it and organising all of that for something to actually take place. It's, it's a very, very long process, isn't it? When you think about it and it's like, well, all that time it takes to sort all that out, you know, or everything else is all happening in the meantime. So, you know, why not just say, okay, have a meeting, it's what we need to do, and then, you know, outline it. But, yeah, no, I, I think, you know, we all need that, you know, kind of international effort, you know, we're all part of this, we're all connected. I think that's something COVID highlighted, you know, we're all in this together, you know, and, and we're in terms of, like, um, the environment and sustainability, we're all, we are all in this together, you know, so why not do your part? And it makes you feel better, you know, if you recycle if you reuse something. Yeah, exactly. It's it's definitely a, a positive mindset that you're creating for yourself that you can pull through in day-to-day -day life. Um, mm. It's more, you feel more connected. You feel more as a part of something whole and humans, we are social creatures. So that is quite important for our psyche to be able to have those connections and those groups. But on the counter end of those things you also have similar experiences on the other edge of the spectrum of course so you have people who go for sustainability but you also still have that connectedness on the other side of things where people yeah. are like oh but it's just you know a government conspiracy they're just doing this <laughs> money. Um, which in some cases i might say that it could very well be true that they are doing this for tax money so it doesn't improve yeah. people's motivation or you know inspire them to take action and that's yeah. something we have to combat and i think that starts by educating our children but also taking away all of those conflict terms so you've mentioned the terms climate change quite a bit i've mentioned that quite a bit but really it comes down to a whole range of, of different factors there's mm. not one thing that contributes to climate change there's not yeah. one focus that we have there Obviously, some things come up in the news more like CO2 emissions, but at the same time, there are other greenhouse gases like methane is a popular one. And we 
tend to think of climate change like, oh, wow, we are, there's no way we can change the climate of this entire planet by just driving a car because it just seems silly, it's something so small, but what they forget, there's seven billion, almost eight billion people now on this planet mm. doing some kind of activities that aren't very ben beneficial for the environment. Mm. So I like to talk about, uh, well, do you believe that deforestation is happening? Do you believe that we are overexploiting the oceans? Do you think that you know, there's this consumer economy that is driven by more and more and more and consistent gains and growth and really looking at each individual compartment of anthropogenic climate change. And that is really falling back on our behaviors because there's no one who's going to say, or very, very few people who will say it's like, you no know, deforestation of the Amazon um, or the forests in Africa, Southeast Asia, that's not a thing. We're not cutting down trees. No way. There's no humans who do that. There's nobody who says that this is not happening, whereas it is mm. one of the major drivers of climate change. There's also mm. nobody who's, who says that we do not have a linear economy. Mm. Everyone knows we have a linear economy. So breaking it down, you take a lot of the resistance away because you're not taking responsibility for everything in one go, which can be a very hard barrier for people to cross because that means they have to face themselves and look at like wow i am actually doing all of these horrible things i must be a horrible person without realizing that this is just the way society is set up you're not a horrible person you were mm. born into this and you can change it but you have to make a lot of changes to your life to be able to do that and that yeah. is by far not always feasible yeah no i i, I completely agree with you and i think like um what you said you know with like the way people think just like you said people you know very linear with things and climate change and you know a lot of people believe that you know climate change isn't a thing they think it's a lot of nonsense some people um and i think like people need to be open to it you know you, you can't be ignorant around these topics uh and, and to be open-minded to it you know it's like I, I only know so much about it. I'm very open-minded, so I, you know I'm learning from what you're saying, and um, it's been it's having that open-mindedness and being open to it and taking on, you know, perspectives and, and facts um, rather than people just thinking, oh yeah, well no, it's not a thing, or you know, or, or thinking like, why should I do it? You know, I, you know. So it's like you said, forming new habits and and just thinking about how you go about things and how you know, the impact that we're having. Exactly. Because it's, it's future generations as well. It's not just ours. It's, you know, our children's children and so on. Yeah. And it's really hard to connect to because a lot of people here in the West, while we are the biggest polluters, we're the main cause of everything, um, we don't necessarily feel the impacts because we can pay our way through things. We, we have the financial ability to buy this house um, and we have a car, we have a stable job, uh, maybe not so much with Corona anymore, but still more so than in other places around the world where mm. their, their poverty strike in, they feel the effects of drought um, or floods or just this change in climate where people can see that they've grown up there their entire lives. They've been doing this, their, entire adulthood and 
now they've seen the last five to 10 years, how many changes that have been happening and been struggling to maintain their, their fields or get to work or their house has flooded three times in the last decade. And these are all things that are new to them. Mm. And it's these people who do not have such a large voice that are actually feeling the impacts the most. Mm. And this disconnect that we have with humans, but also just with all animals and, and all of nature, it's, mm. it's questionable as to if this is really the healthiest way to go through life. And it's partly there because we have that lack of education, but also because we've removed ourselves from nature as if we stand above it. So we mm. have our cities, we have our houses, we have our gardens where we plant the plants that we want to have in them. And we don't connect with the wild anymore. This, the wild is seen as this you know, horrific, dangerous place that we should protect ourselves from. But we forgot that's where we came from. And mm. more than 50% of cancer drugs, for example, are derived directly from natural origins, from plants, from yeah. coral reefs. And we need that to sustain ourselves also, which is very ironic that that's what we are destroying in the process. It's, um, what's the word? It's very, we're, we're, like you said, we're, we think we're kind of in control when in, in, in reality, you know, nature, you know, probably has more power in some way. Like, you know, it. They're, they're, you know, nature's the one in control. We, you know, we're just kind of on the planet, but we need to kind of. It's that yin and yang, isn't it? You know, there's nature, there's us. We need to work in kind of that balance with nature. Otherwise, it just gets tangled with, you know, how we're seeing with pollution and things like that. And the yin uh, and yang within ourselves also are very unbalanced. Um, mm. in our feminine and masculine energies because of stereotypes, because of societal roles and expectations where women, mm. uh, less so in the Western world, but again, many places don't have these kind of equalities. We're expected to have children and want to have children and raise the families and not so much go for a career and have an education where men, they have to be big and strong and they can't have uh, emotions. Mm. They, they have to keep everything locked up inside. They don't cry. And that's just not how we've evolved anymore. This is not something that we can carry through in modern day society. And a lot of people are struggling to find that identity and, mm. and have that balance within themselves. And if they don't have it within themselves, how can we expect it to have that externally also? Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And I think like you said, like society, you know, moves so fast and businesses, uh, you know, they want results, they want performance. And, you know, there's a lot of business, some businesses are looking for people who, just there to you know do the job you know get results and i think like you know people are more than than just robots you know we're not we're not robots we're people you know want people like that because you know they want them to block out their emotions and you know and that comes down to like you know like like we were talking about uh lack of empathy and you know i think it's just taken that step back and just you know empathizing with people and you know and relating to, relating to them because we're human beings we're emotional beings and you know if, if someone is happy in their workplace or they're being related to they're going to perform better anyway yeah exactly and it, it's funny to see how we're one of the most conscious beings on this planet 
yet we do so well living unconsciously. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it's, um, it's a form of ignorant bliss, I think, because if you want to learn about something, we have the resources to do so, and many people choose not to use that. recent statistics. I don't actually know if this is true or not, but my brother recently told me that about 7% of the population in the United States believe that chocolate milk comes from brown cows. And this to me is, is something that, okay, well, how, how do we combat this mindset, mm. this behavior where we just accept what we see as the truth rather than going out and learning and educating ourselves on a daily basis and knowing mm. that this is a, a growth that goes throughout our entire life. There's no just, okay, at 18, you're done with school, you graduated for life and you never have to learn a new thing again. That yeah. it's not very progressive or helpful yeah yeah, yeah. no I, I agree and i think like people kind of they they just get stuck in their ways that they, they get to a point where like i said they'll, they'll leave, leave college they'll be able to get a job and then that's all they kind of do you know and you know if, if someone's happy doing that that's fine but i think you know there is so much more out there to learn there's so much of a so many angles to look at things from um you know, there's no right or wrong time to start something. There's no right or wrong time to learn something, though. Like, there's people who've done their PhD, gone to university in their 60s. So, I mean, there's no set time. You know, we, we can... It's, it's our choice, really, if we want to evolve or not. No, that, that's absolutely true. I agree with, with that 100%. And um, I think we can kind of come, like, come together and help one another and you know to like help each other evolve because it's like you know it's not a one-way street is it no no it's it's not so similar movements would be one very very controversial one is the me too movement and mm. how it's threatening a lot of men and then really asking the questions like well but it's also not threatening a lot of men so why is it that you would feel threatened in those situations. Like, what is that barrier there for you? Because it's not about just women. This is about the entire society that is hurting women, but it's also hurting men because it's not a healthy mindset to think that it's okay to go and sexually assault someone. That also implies some kind of role and expectations that men have in this world that doesn't necessarily reflect what is happening um, internally or externally anymore at this point so it's it's very tricky to to think about these big problems and, and trying to solve them because they're so global that it makes it very difficult to come up with one solution that everyone can start implementing so we need to learn how to work together and covid recently has shown that we can do this so there are countries like new zealand or australia um, some, some Eastern European countries who've done exceptionally well under these circumstances and other countries who haven't. And it just really makes me wonder what, what's behind that. And obviously people are behind that. So what is it that we're internally fighting within ourselves and as a society, putting ourselves in certain roles and more research, I think, needs to be done on that subject. But we also should really start listening to the people who do the, that research and tell us, like, maybe we should try that. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I think, like, you know, there, there's so much work 
and research that that goes into things and I think you know people need to give those people credit yeah. and, and I think you know it's it's really lovely that you know there's there are people out like you out there who who are passionate about these these topics and you're putting a lot of time because a lot of time and research goes into it and you know you mentioned you know you university and you want to get your PhD and you know a lot that takes a lot of time and energy and effort and I think you know that's it takes so you know so much um, energy and drive to do it and I think it's good because you can educate people you know especially like myself as well on on things that are happening you know in the world and and, and it, you know just talking to you you know and learning about it's making me more mindful about it as well and then I can explain it to people and people watching this can be can start thinking about how they shot and how they go about things in their you know in their lives oops, oops. sorry my dog yeah yeah absolutely I, it's it's small things really and I think a lot of people would be surprised just how small and easy it is to start building these things up mm. because I might have consciously chosen to go study this but I was unconsciously influenced throughout my life to do these things so I grew up um, I, I traveled a lot as a child and when I was little we, we lived by mangroves and I remember the crabs in the mangrove trees where you could just like dig little holes in the mud and then they would go sit there and wave their claws they're called fiddler crabs and the males have a big claw and a small claw and they oh, wow. wave the big claw to impress the females. So I remember digging little holes and putting sticks in there and they would just like shovel in and then wave their, wave their paws. <laughs> and having that interaction as a child and then moving to a different place and watching BBC documentaries of scuba divers in the ocean. And I'm just like, wow, like all of these fish and all of these colors, I wish I could do that. And just constantly being reintroduced to these new natural mm. environments that I wasn't naturally part of in this society drove me to do what I am doing today but a lot of people have similar experiences that have led them to the places that they are now and maybe we can create something that just by talking about it um, setting up educational programs with children for example and we talked um, about microplastics with the kids and they were just so involved and it's like some of them asked me the questions like well then why aren't we doing these things? And I'm like, it's a good question. I don't know why we're not doing these things. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And I think like, it's amazing what you said, like, you know, to do a nature, like use interacting with nature. And I think that's a big thing, you know, as a kid, interacting with nature, you know, and I guess you're thinking about the environment and, you know, what things are and, you know, their, their role in it and their part to play. Um, and I think like, you know, kids learning about that in nature is key because it's like you know their awareness and their you know they will take that on growing up yeah exactly exactly mm. and that's a story that we all share is we've unconsciously uh, been led to the places in our lives that we are now and we we do have the power to consciously make these decisions and, and make the changes that we want to change but if unconsciously it drives us towards unsustainability and inequality and just a bigger poverty um, and, and the, the, the bridge between the rich and, and, and the poor, just longer, bigger bridges, it's probably not the best thing that we should be doing. How can we 
more positively influence people to get to better places. And that is exactly what we're doing now is just talking about it. And even if it's just a private conversation between the two of us, you still have had some information to think about. And the fact that you spent time on doing that, the next time you're confronted with it is going to be less resistance. And after a while, you might even build up a new habit. And these are the changes that we are implementing now and that the world is implementing and starting to really feel the consequences of too. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's, you know, really accurate. And I think, like I said, it's, it's um, everyone kind of, you know, having that, that, impact you know in a positive way and you know like I said doing this and people listening to it taking something from it applying it to their life and it just kind of like you know has like a domino effect in a positive way doesn't it you know educating people and you know with social media and the internet it's you know, it's an amazing way to do it because it just kind of branches out exactly we're in a um, perfect place to make all of the necessary changes that we need to yeah no i agree um do you have any favorite books at all that you like to read? Um, I do, but it might surprise you. I like to read novels, not so much for the story themselves, but to be able to place myself into the life of one of the characters so that it builds empathy, it builds compassion, but it also builds an understanding for fellow human beings because I can only live my life. That's the only experience I will actually ever have, but nobody can fully understand that and I can never fully understand another person but I think books and movies really bring us that opportunity to try to bridge those gaps and understand where other people are coming from why they might be feeling certain emotions and you know just having an open dialogue and an open conversation where we can share the emotions that we have without judgment where we can share our mistakes uh, but also share everything that we've accomplished so far. And that's very much lacking, at least um, throughout my experience so far. And I find books help with that. So they help build you, um, build the, that character and build resilience within mm. yourself. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's good to like, you know, see things from other people's perspectives and, you know, their imagination. And I think, you know, it's really, really important. Um, like, do, do you have any favorite ones? Like, do you have any like sp specific ones that you, you like? I, I only ever read books once. So there's yeah. not one that I would say, like, I go back to it. But mm. um, author might be Paulo Coelho. I am hoping oh. I'm pronouncing that right. But he oh, has a very oh, yeah. metaphorical, very storytelling way of going through it. But it's very informative. Like, you, you come across yourself in those novels and you feel the barriers within you when there's something controversial or you don't agree with, you really feel that coming up and think your way through that also. And you feel your way through that thanks to his writing and his stories. Yeah, no, I agree. I, 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 I read uh, The Alchemist, which he did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a beautiful story of, of a shepherd's boy and he wants to find this amazing treasure and then he after a while figures out that life is the treasure and that with every moment that he has he's actually living this amazing existence and has this amazing amazing consciousness that is connected to everything like he is everything and he is nothing at the same time and that's just such a beautiful realization at the end 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it's such a powerful book, and I think his books definitely get you thinking, and you can kind of see yourself and relate to yourself in those books. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's one. Um, for the kids out there, I used to read a lot of horror stories also. Um, so Jeffrey Huntington, <laughs> I don't know if that's someone you know, but the, or Darren Shan, he's a popular one also. It Facing those demons in the stories, that obviously they are actual demons in the stories, but they're metaphorical for the demons in life. So looking at how brave these people are and actually facing all of these horrific and terrifying obstacles, then I was like, well, if they can do that, then how is it that I'm struggling in this life? It's like, it's just people. They're not, they're not supposed to be scary. They're supposed to be people going through similar challenges as I am. Yeah, no, exactly. I, and I, I've only, I've never read a horror, a horror film, horror story, but I've, I've, I've watched uh, it, you know, Stephen King's books. And I <laughs> yeah. think that's like, you know, like a reflection of like, you know, the, you know, like dreams and fears and things like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think like, you know, some horror, some horror stories can be quite deep. But like I said, there are those deep kind of metaphorical kind of messages there. Yeah, even in it, when I don't want to spoil this, did you see the second one? I've not seen the second one, I've seen the first one. Okay, well, then I can't spoil yeah. it for you, but it actually has quite a sad, sad ending, what actually just portrays everything that we, we just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely have to check it out. Yeah, it's, it's very philosophical. I was pleasantly surprised by how that ended. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's the watching. I'll have to get I'll have to get back to you and tell you why I thought on it. Definitely do that. Yeah. <laughs> do you um to to like round up? Do you have um any like role models or like who your role models like? Uh, like As any biologist, David Attenborough, obviously. Um, but also, I'd say. Over the years, I've really come to appreciate Michelle Obama and how she's standing up for girls and just in general, any kind person. So my role models are more day-to-day -day people who I come across for random reasons who are doing absolutely amazing work in the field and you'll never hear them in the news. They'll, you'll never see them on social media. They'll never have this massive following or hmm. huge attention, but they go back every day and they continue to make an impact. So anyone who does animal rehabilitation, who's volunteering for these organizations, it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort to put yourself through those moments. And sometimes it can be very discouraging. And I think that's the absolute bravest thing that people can be doing is taking that stand and not getting the credit for it. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. And I think, you know, Michelle Obama is like a massive example. Um, and it's those people who are like selfless, you know, they're just, just doing good. You know, they're wanting change and they're, they're doing it, you know, out of the kindness of their heart. And I think like, you know, it's good to have role models like that, isn't it? Um, I think, like you said, sometimes they're not really in the media. They're not, some people, a lot of people out there who aren't, they're doing a lot of good and they're not really recognised or they're not really recognised as such. And then you get people who are, quite you know in the mainstream media and they're not really doing anything that's putting good out into the world and sometimes they're in the media more so than some of these people who are doing 
lots of amazing things. Yeah. So those who are not in the media, this is a shout out to them. <laughs> Keep on doing yeah. what you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I see that. Yeah. But um, but no, it's uh, it's it's been like you know, pleasure talking to you, and you know, I really really appreciate your time, and I, I you know I think we've really talked about some some deep topics, you know, formal topics that people need to like, you know, really listen to, and you know, especially with you know the environment and nature sustainability and you know i think i think you're doing really great work and you know i wish you all the best and you know your research and your studies and you know everything that you want to do i think you know you're definitely you know doing something that's really good and positive thank you thank you it was definitely a pleasure being on here with you and i'm going to start following all of the podcasts yeah <laughs> yeah I watched a few beforehand and they were very informative so uh, it's going to be in the background when i'm doing my chores, my laundry, washing my dishes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I really appreciate that. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy that you, you like it. And, it, you know, it's an honor to have you on. And I think it's just, you know, having that positive impact in some way, isn't it, you know? Um, whether that's, you know, with what you're doing, whether that's podcasting, whether that's, you know, there's, there's so many, so many ways. And I think it makes you feel better as well, that, you know, you're having some impact. Um, where where can people find you on like social media like LinkedIn why things like that? Uh, LinkedIn would probably be the most reactive platform for me. Otherwise, mm. you can just look up White Green Blue. Um, our website should pop up. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, we're doing a lot of changes, so there's no standard thing that I can say that's going to be a thing. But LinkedIn is our is our main profile for this so far. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah. But um. But, but yeah, but no, well, definitely stay in touch, and I, I wish you all the best in what you're doing. And you know, have a have a have a great day. Thank you. Week yeah. weekend. <laughs> weekend it is, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but no, take care and all the best. Thank you. You too. Take care. See you soon. Okay. Right, bye. 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 Bye.